the remainder of this Advent season, I'm going to preach in series, something I don't often do, preach in series on some of the characters we will hear about in the Christmas story. This week, St. Joseph. Next week, Herod. And, of course, always on the last Sunday of Advent, Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, I'm doing this in part because I have preached so many Advent sermons on John the Baptist that I've preached at. There's another reason, and that is because Christmas story is so familiar to us that I think it has become dull by repetition. And perhaps if we were to use Advent to look at the Christmas characters afresh, the celebration of our Lord's Nativity, when it comes, will take on a new vibrancy. So Joseph, husband of Mary. Truth is, we don't know a great deal about St. Joseph. We know that he is a descendant of King David, the pious Jew. We know that he is a quiet man, even though he appears in several chapters of Scripture, his words are not quoted. We know that he was engaged to a young girl named Mary. This was probably an arranged marriage, like most marriages at the time. Betrothal or engagement would last about a year. Betrothal or engagement could only be ended by divorce or death. It was a year of planning and celebration. And Mary and Joseph were considered to be husband and wife during that time. They would not live together. Now this young couple, as you know, immediately faced a crisis. St. Matthew describes their situation like this. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be the child of the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a just man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he resolved to divorce her Mary is pregnant. Scandal looms. That much is clear. Joseph is not the father. That also is clear. You can imagine that Joseph's world is shattered, putting his head in his hands and hoping that this is all a bad dream. I think rage and jealousy would be appropriate emotions in this situation. Certainly he is bruised and humiliated and baffled and still in love with her. A young woman unmarried and pregnant would have been in danger in that land, still that way in the peace. She faced certain disgrace, lost her friends, an abrupt end to her betrothal, and a face turned Taliban-like public stone. But it gets worse. Mary insists that her virginity is intact and that the child within her was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a wild, crazy story. Who would believe it? Joseph doesn't. So he revolves, resolves to put her away quietly. And the scriptures call Joseph a just man, a righteous man. Now, when we think the word righteous, we think that Joseph 
righteousness means that Joseph was opposed to her sin. True enough. And when we speak of God's righteousness, it means that he is opposed to our sin. The righteousness of God hates sin, but loves sin. And that's exactly what we see in Joseph. Righteousness in this case means that Joseph was ready to cover her apparent sin. In the middle of the pain, Joseph still had compassion on Mary. He did not want her to suffer the full consequences of her apparent actions. So he resolves to handle this quietly to protect her, even if people think it might be his fault. Joseph risks his reputation to give protection to Mary. And I hope that we remember that the next time that someone betrays us. We ought to be righteous people who oppose sin and love sinners and are ready to bear part of the burden to help people through their sin. So just as this heartbreaking story of Joseph and Mary is about to come to an end, Joseph changes dramatically. He does so in four ways, and those are going to be my four brief points this morning. Number one, Joseph yields to God's plan for his family. Here's how it happened. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was asked to set aside his fears and believe that God was doing something impossible, something wonderful, something life-changing for his family. And I can think of a million doubts that Joseph would have about that dream. An angel? Not likely. Never heard that happen before. A supernatural conception with my wife? Lots of room for doubt. Lots. But Joseph sensed something else as well. The unmistakable voice of God had a deep sense that God had laid hold of him. I wonder if you've ever had a moment like that. And how do you respond? Scripture says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Joseph surrendered to God, he yielded to God's plan for his family. The result, his family was healed. Because Joseph said yes, Mary had a husband, the marriage was restored, and his special son had an earthly dad. And Joseph was not the first husband to discover that someone in his family was way out ahead of him spiritually. I wonder how are you doing at saying yes to Jesus' work in those closest to you? Jesus entered this world for family because a quiet, humble dad said yes. Second, Joseph makes room for God's arrival. God's 
No pious Jew would have ever said something like that. The Jews worshipped God above us. The holy, unapproachable, you cannot stand in my presence and live, created. Islam believes the same thing. Allah is, above all, the unapproachable, unapproachable, untouchable God. The Jews believe that God would send messengers, yes, prophets, yes, angels, yes, would never personally enter into human history. That would defile his glory. And Joseph would believe that too until he heard these words, what is conceived of her in her is of the Holy Spirit. What was conceived in Mary was God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Behold, says Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, or God with us. Conceived in the womb of the virgin, born into our particular place and time, God has moved into our neighborhood. No longer content with sending angels or messengers or prophets, God sends his son. Because Jesus is God in skin. The Jews thought that God was too great, too holy, to walk the dirty streets of our neighborhood. But God is so great not only great in holiness, great in mercy, too great to give up on us. So he stoops and humbles himself, condescends to us, and comes to us in a manger. And the glory of Joseph's life is that this quiet, humble man made room for this impossible arrival. Never again will people have to face life alone. Because God above us is also God with us. Emmanuel is here. Third, Joseph names God's son. The angel tells Joseph, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, or Yeshua, or Joshua, they're all the same name, very common. It would have made the top 20 list of popular names in those days. But it's also a special name because it means God saves. Jesus means God saves. Israel needed to be saved. Everybody knew that. She needed to be rescued from her enemies. That's what Moses did for Israel. He rescued them from the Egyptians. That's what David did. He rescued them from the Philistines. And that's what the Messiah did. He would rescue Israel from the Romans. Everybody believed it. But Joseph got a different explanation of what kind of Savior Jesus would be. He will save his people from their sins. He would have expected the angel to say, he will save his people from those sinners, whether Romans or whoever. But a different enemy is identified. The Messiah will not save us from other people's sins. 
but our own. The enemy out there, okay, but the real enemy is in here. In the end, of course, Jesus will conquer every enemy. We always start with our worst enemy, the one that is inside of us. Sometimes people blame everyone around them for the difficulties they face. There's a professional industry out there that does that. But God has not given you the key to other people's hearts. He's given you the key to your own. It is in the hand of Jesus, the key of David. And when you let Jesus change you, everything around you changes too. And I think that Joseph must have known that because when the day of naming came, he gave him the name Jesus, God saved and then lastly, Joseph finds his life purpose. The story of Joseph is the story of how God stepped into the life of a quiet, humble man and brought him to his life's purpose. God gave Joseph a chance to submit his own hopes and dreams and make his own life for the sake of God's work in other people. And Joseph gave himself that high calling and it became his life purpose. The work of God and other people, beginning with his wife, beginning with Jesus, became a passion for the mark of his life. And it was a costly purpose. God's callings are always costly. For the sake of the work of God's work in other people, Joseph was willing that his life be corrupted, rearranged, and threatened. He had to wrestle through the issues of discovering that his wife and that his son had a greater love for God than did he. He had to walk 85 miles to Bethlehem so Jesus would be born where the prophets were told. He fled hundreds of miles into Egypt to protect Jesus and Mary from crazy King Herod. His career, we might say, was repeatedly interrupted. His reputation was damaged from the very start of his marriage. And Joseph gave himself to God's plan for his life and that joy. And Joseph tells us that the real measure of life is not the money we make, or the business we build, or the titles we collect, or the ladders we climb, or the applause we receive. All these things come and quickly go. A much more important measure of your years is the lives of influence for God, because that will last forever. So we learn from Joseph. Yield God's plan for your family. Make room for God's provider. Call upon Jesus as Savior. And after the twelfth year of our Lord's life, we have no other mention of Joseph. After Jesus achieves adulthood, this quiet, humble man disappears from sight. He's not listed in the top movers and shapers of history, but his impact is felt to this day. He dared to give his life for the sake of God's work in other people. And I wonder, in this season of Advent, can we do the same? Can we give our life for the sake of God's work 